0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast and we are continuing our Google Cloud Security Month and today we were doing Google Cloud Security Fundamentals Level 2. Yes, Level 2 as in if you have experience in on-premise or AWS, you probably would relate to this episode. We spoke about some of the commonalities in the services you may find that you have to use in your on-premise environment like a firewall or even like an endpoint protection. We also spoke about things like what are some of the building blocks for building a large-scale Google Cloud account environment. All right, I'm not gonna call the account, apparently it's folders and it's, yeah, It uh, you will hear about it in the episode. I don't wanna spoil it for you, but it's definitely a different way of thinking and it was really educational for me to understand the different nuances that come with the Google Cloud security space. And as always, if you know someone who's probably trying to get into the Google Cloud security space, or if you find someone is just learning, trying to find some resources, I would really appreciate if you share this with them. I think they would definitely find this valuable. For this episode we had jonathan brody or johnny and he has been in the aws space before and as well as the on-premise space so comes with a lot of experience and we distilled google cloud security so it would definitely be valuable for anyone listening with a little bit of tech background and a little bit of tech experience you would relate to a lot of these if you have any questions because we had a lot of questions come in if you have any questions that we could answer for you feel free to send them over the website would have the email. Otherwise, you can just send it to ashishatkhaizantech.com as always. And I would be happy to entertain them in the next episode because we have another fundamental. Yes, there's level three as well. And got a couple more episodes before I end the Google Cloud month. I think it's there's so much content in here and I have the resources to have the right people around me. So why not just give all of it now and challenge myself for the next time I do a Google Cloud Security Month. Hopefully enjoy it and hope you continue to be safe. And thank you for everyone who left a comment and review on our iTunes as well as Spotify. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate this. It definitely helps us get discovered by a lot of people. So helps us quite a bit. All right, I'll let you go back to the episode. Enjoy that. And I will talk to you actually in a few days because we're doing midweek episodes of Google Cloud Security. Thank you. Talk to you soon and stay safe. Peace.
1: As companies expand to the cloud, asset visibility worsens. The Jupiter One Cyber Asset Management Platform helps you get it back. Jupiter One provides context, understanding, and visibility into your entire cyber asset attack surface. With over 150 integrations, including AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, and more, Jupyter One helps you answer complex security and infrastructure questions, understand the contextual relationships between assets, and build the foundation for your security program. Try it for yourself. Get started with your free Jupyter One account today.
0: First of all, thank you so much for uh, staying away late and appreciate you've got your morning coffee and i've got my my evening coffee so maybe we'll start with this so how did you get into cloud google cloud security it's
1: a good question my career is kind of spans over 10 years in computing in general google cloud is my latest iteration of my career i originally started in a kind of traditional on-premise environment not like how a few of my other colleagues have started who have come from a more platform development environment and moved into cloud security right so i came in from sort of like a a traditional on-premise background where most organizations had physical on-premise. They, they either owned their own data center or rented their own data center, doing a mixture of kind of Windows system administration. Yep. But I always had a, a natural curiosity for security. And I think that a lot of people move into security because they have that kind of natural kind of natural feel for security, if that's the way I could probably put it. You know what I mean? You, um, you're, always, you're curious. You're always kind of thinking, mm, something's not right there. I'd like to investigate it a bit more. So I always had this kind of like real natural interest in security. And then as my career progressed, I kind of moved into more a focused role in security. So kind of, again, physical security, but firewalls, so like Cisco firewalls, web application firewalls, looking after sort of policies across the organization in terms of like password policies. very security specific. I started then getting involved in a bit of compliance, Mm -hmm. worked for a financial firm. So I got really involved in PCI there. So again, PCI on like on-premise environment and moved to a company that started doing a bit in AWS. And that's kind of where my interest in cloud or public cloud started. Got really enthusiastic, really excited about cloud security, began just focusing purely on AWS. Then I moved to a company that had a large premise in Google running a data lake, which for many of our listeners, listeners might be the case for their company. But it's very, very heavy from the kind of data lake perspective. is yeah. Google with BigQuery, it's a very powerful BI. And, and that's kind of where Google started for me, was at that company, learning about Google Cloud seeing how I could improve it. And yeah, I would say that out of all the kind of experience I have it's it's probably my fo- my favorite area really I think it's a really good cloud if it's if it's implemented right
0: yeah and I'm glad we have you here as well because I think last week we spoke about Google Cloud fundamentals and we kind of started on building blocks on how people can go into I guess a bit more getting a feet wet for lack of a better word in Google Cloud security and I think it's really interesting to kind of hear the differences some people may experience coming from a different cloud provider or different kind of experience like for yourself you've been from an on-premise world and that you've done a bit of AWS as well, and now kind of going into the Google Cloud space for some time. Yeah. So, so it's almost like a rarity sometimes I feel where you kind of hear these skills and like, oh my God, this person is working at AWS and GCP as well, or sometimes yeah, just starting from one landing on the other. So for me, I feel like a good place to start could be for people who may not have worked with Google Cloud enough, but have on-premise or uh, AWS experience. What are some of the building blocks for, I guess, a Google Cloud security kind of a thing that you want to do for an environment. So I think
1: I'll probably break it into two parts. So if you've got your on-premise folks, look for kind of transferable skill mm-hmm. that they've got, networking. However, abstract your technology is always going to be fundamentally still TCP IP. It's still going to be the same regardless of whether it's between two physically connected devices with a cable running between them or it's yeah. some sort of uh, a kubernetes cluster. It, it, networking is still going to be fundamentally the same thing. So I yep. think I think for like the on-premise folks, just looking at a kind of transferable skills, I would say, seeing yep. actually how you can relate your skills to kind of cloud consumption. So things like databases, for example, if you come from a DBA background, SQL query language is still going to be query language in the cloud. However, the technology is Linux, for example, you might come from a kind of a Linux a sysadmin background, but actually you're running a container image that's Alpine Linux, for example. It's still going to be Linux. So these are quite nice things. If you're coming from an on-premise background, look for ways in which cloud has been consumed that has relatable skills. For the kind of AWS folk, there will be very there'll be, be huge similarities. I wouldn't say necessarily in terms of how Google Cloud is structured. I think that that is the main difference. And I think if that's, if you get that right, you're winning. So I think that actually how Google itself is structured is, is really important. But in terms of the services, there'll always be relatable services with inside of Google gcp and aws if it's identity access management you've got identity access management in aws if you are running sort of a a kubernetes engine it's going to be gke versus eks so they're very similar so i think that yeah for on-premise guys look at your kind of look at some of those core building blocks on like networking linux for cloud people try to look at and there's some really handy maps out there as well where they'll map services and terminologies for you they're really good to look at as well i I think that in terms of that the technology space i think it's similar it's just how it's laid out and how it's organized is where it differs
0: yeah and i think uh, we'll definitely get into a bit more deeper into each one of these so i think there's definitely some juice in there for people who may be listening in as well they might consider i guess oh, I already do certain things already how much of it is i just can reuse and maybe not reuse i have to rethink on how it is done but maybe taking a step back on the whole technical skill set perspective right a lot of people may be kind of wondering i don't even know if i have the right skill set for it the whole cloud world has kind of changed the frontier for what used to be i guess covid has made pe- made people thinking Indeed. what's normal so yeah. even with yeah. cloud as well sometimes what is normal in Google Cloud as well? So, from a technical skill set perspective, what do people need for that in a Google Cloud environment?
1: So, that's a good question. I, I well, for me, myself personally, I, I don't actually have any formal qualifications. In GCP or AWS, I've never done certifications in that route. There's many people who have, and I think that it definitely benefits you from like a CV perspective. If you're trying to actually go try and get an actual job, If again, you're moving from an on-premise background and you're trying to get into cloud, then yeah. having like a certification is very good. But it's going to grab the attention of a recruiter. Myself, I don't personally have have any of those official certifications. The reason why I've never really pursued one is that kind of trying to always kind of stay, I, I try and stay as head of the game. Game as, as I can and the information space in cloud is so vital it's having mm-hmm. the kind of it's looking at the right places for the right resources at the right time can give your business like the edge in terms of how you actually do cloud security and I think just because of that fast-paced environment I don't really think the certifications can keep up. But that's just a personal opinion. What I would definitely recommend anybody to do who's wanting to try and learn the skills of GCP is that you can spin up a GCP project very simply. You can, there's no barrier to entry apart from just having a Gmail.com email address. You can go on. You can actually. There is a limit until you start having to pay. Very similar to AWS. That for me is the, is is the key. Is just get yourself a project and start actually trying out the services
0: get your hands dirty i guess indeed
1: absolutely yeah
0: yeah it's a good advice as well and probably works across all the uh, technical skills that we want to learn in, in life as well so that's pretty a good advice man solid one so in terms of i guess now kind of flicking back to what we spoke or where we started in terms of the i guess the building blocks now obviously there are certain you can, you can go into the whole, I guess, how to protect an application, how to do this, how to do that. But before that, I kind of wanted to understand from a compute infrastructure perspective on a GCP and from a security perspective, what, what are some of the things that pe- people should consider like any popular services in GCP? Because I feel like AWS kind of, Keeps talking about their popular service, like, oh, use CloudTrail, use cl- use uh, Guard Duty, use this, use that. What are some of the services that come to mind for GCP that be, you think people should be aware of? And uh, any specifically re- any specific reason for why those services as well? So
1: I think in terms of, as you said, for people who are coming from an AWS background, we've got things like Guard Duty, security NAC, Hub, security help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, GCP has a has a native security service called uh, Security Command Center. That is definitely something that you should have. In enabled within your organization that comes in two parts there is a free version of it where you still get a good bit of information out of it but they also do a a premium version as well which is going to give you enhanced detection it's going to give you something called uh, etd uh, in front event threat detection, which is very similar to what we have in Guard Duty. And then you also get something called container threat detection as well, which is kind of doing something, which again it's obviously it's looking for within containerized workloads. That itself is probably kind of what I would say is is similar to the AWS space. Again, how it works and how it operates within AWS is different in terms of the implementation. But yeah, native services like Security Command Center are are very important. Cloud audit logs as well, which are kind of like Cloud Trail. They themselves need to be within side of what is classed as a GCP project, Mm -hmm. which is in some ways kind of similar to an AWS account. It's not really, but it's kind of the closest analogy that we have to kind of explain to people what it is in GCP. Yeah. But yeah, that's a really good tool to have enabled. And of course having all your logging enabled as well could be centrally aggregated when when you need it. Right.
0: And to your point then with the the way you mentioned projecting is interesting because I imagine when you people scale AWS accounts in their mind they're thinking I'm scaling I've got one one I guess if I'm people can see me from the audio version of the podcast I guess there's a top level master account and it kind of spreads into these little little child accounts and stuff as well you mentioned projects and projects the kind of way for accounts on Google so what does I guess where does one a startup would start in a cloud kind of environment what, what are some of the things that they would start with in terms of what you mentioned project and however it spreads out And how does that scale into like a large enterprise that wants to use GCP? So what are some of the components over there? That's
1: actually a really good question. And I think actually when you're, if you have the luxury of of starting out in GCP to try and get it right first is is really important. So before, if we go through the, the kind of architecture of GCP and we'll try and relate it to AWS and then try and talk about the differences as well. So the GCP architecture kind of has three fundamental components to it. You have what is called like, the organization. So when we talk about the organization, we kind of talk about the organization in general, as in the organization that consumes it. But from a, the technical term organization, it's talking about the organization layer, which is effectively it is in fact it is a layer. A layer is probably a good way to describe it. It's a layer of how GCP operates that covers everything that is that is work. has been consumed inside of GCP. So if we kind of break that down into uh, a further level, we've got. Something called it. now a folder itself is is a way in which you group GCP projects okay. and you kind of group them inside. You can do this in any kind of logical way you want. You can group it in terms of the actual might might be the product team's name, for example. It could be anything like that. So you just do it into a word that's that's significant to you. The, the difference between a, a GCP project and account. People often I'm guilty of trying to use that word to explain like an account is a project. You're trying to actually use that to try and tell people what it is but it's not actually the correct thing a project itself is effectively just i think i think google class it's a construct to contain a cloud resource right so google see a project rather than like for example if we set up an aws account we will set up we'll probably have a number of things running that account google see project to run an individual resource inside of a project so that the nature of your architecture should be that you have lots of projects but the way that you centralise those in a way is by folders. Oh, So it's then okay. by actually creating a folder. So you would, for example, have the prod folder yeah you could have that for example and then what you do is you would have everything inside of that so you'd have uh you'd have a naming convention for your folders of course so you'd have something that identifies the the actual team whatever but then it would actually be right. the, the production and then inside oh. of that you would have you would have all the actual projects inside of that
0: right so to your point then inside a project so to your point if i'm starting i'm starting company today and i've kind of gone okay i've got johnny and i are starting company and johnny's a great tech guy i i, I can do this he talk talked quite talk a bit so let's just say We make a folder structure, call it prod, another call it, call it dev underneath that we'll have a couple of projects. Now the project over there could either be, I guess one project is just for networking and another project is for identity. Another project is for, I don't know, like I'm building a super amazing podcasting app so. Is, yeah. is that how it would be structured? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, such a different way of thinking. It is. Oh, right. Okay. And, and kind of, so maybe uh, what about identity then? How does identity fit into, like, because how identity in an AWS context, like I have an IAM user, I yeah. have my SAML. So I assumed everything in Google that, Cloud would be, hey, sample to Gmail. But what else happens over there? That's
1: actually again a really good point of actually putting it is because you, you do still actually have you still actually do have in a project level. But the idea behind folders is the my way of thinking of Google is that Google is trying to go from a decentralized approach. So if, if we touch upon kind of, if we can quickly switch back to AWS, we kind of, we understand kind of account. And in an, organize, in an AWS organization, we have an account where we'll have an account that will sit at the top and then yep. we'll kind of break it down and down and further into That's accounts. Right. With, with Google, what we are looking to do is, in a sense, still have a centralized approach, but decentralized at the same time. So if we go back to the folder project example, the folder itself, because of all those little projects we've got into it we actually start looking at the folder as an actual centralized way to do centralized security so to what you said there, when we actually start actually going above individual projects into folders we then start doing the centralized management there which helps us when then it comes to networking as well so you
0: set up a networking with a project but you still have individual identity in each of the project
1: you do they still they still exist but when you actually set up uh, a folder, the idea behind the folder is the folder gives you a, a centralized security plan to to work with it. Right. Okay.
0: Right. Cool. Actually, that's a good segue into the question that just came in from Eternal. I think it's Eternal Light. I'm a tech support engineer. Does Sophos matter in cloud sec? I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, Eternal Light over there. You mean Sophos, like in the endpoint protection, or because Sophos has antivirus and endpoint protection. So, I mean, any thoughts on this, Johnny? Like, I think product like Sophos or any other antivirus or endpoint protection software would that be relevant in a cloud world cloud world as well well
1: i suppose yes if if it's did like it, maybe just if they could be a bit more specific on where they think that sofos could matter that would be really really good just so i feel oh, yeah. that i'm answering i'm answering their their, their question oh, yeah. so was um, firewall
0: endpoint there you go sofos firewall sofos endpoint protection i'm assuming that's what it is
1: yeah so in in terms of if you mean on like on in for a example, yeah in a compute structure i would say probably it, it depends on what you're actually running if you are running a container image for example the footprint on that is going to be extremely light so i would say i would it, it probably depends on what you actually are running with inside yeah. a compute workload if you're running like sort of like a containerized workload then it's it's not going to matter from that perspective if you're running a, a vm that's got a windows operating system on it then Yes, that's gonna be beneficial.
0: Yeah, awesome. I might quickly add something in there as well. I think the, it's worthwhile calling out some of those products I, I definitely feel are relevant. And I also feel with endpoint protection, Firewall is a bit questionable sometimes because you already have your cloud provider with their firewall. So a lot of people look at having another firewall in your cloud environment as an anti-pattern. And not because it's a bad thing, just because you already have an integrated firewall service from Amazon or Google Cloud. Why would you add another firewall? Especially because there's especially a specific reason for it as well, because a traditional firewall relies more on IP addresses. Whereas I'm sure in Google Cloud, and I'll let Johnny confirm the Google Cloud in AWS and, and Azure, you kind of find that it's not the IP address it's the identity or hey who's running the stuff the the server is important is that the same in Google Cloud? No
1: I would still say that if we have got if we've got a compute Resource running that is that is actually again most of the things that we actually expose is is going to be via API. So necessarily, I would say probably sort of layer three doesn't probably matter as much in in that instance. Even though I'm not a I'm not an expert on on API security by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, w- I would still say that we still want to protect from any kind of services maybe be a web server for example that we are that we're running in in the cloud we still want to prevent that from ddos for example so we oh, still yeah. need so we still but we have native services inside of inside of google cloud to protect us again oh
0: yeah actually that's a good point as well because another example for using firewall is usually have, have ddos protection but most cloud providers have their own dedicated i guess content delivery network and attached you can have DDoS protection to it as well. But yeah, it's it's definitely, I guess depending on who you talk to, at least a firewall component may not be that. But from an endpoint perspective, I definitely feel this to close that loop as well. When you have compute, to Johnny's point earlier, container images, maybe not as much. But if you have a virtual machine where I guess it could be an app that's 20 years old, or you have compliance requirements, which requires you to have like an IPS IDS in there. Maybe those kind of scenarios, when you see people have to have something like endpoint protection, uh, Now it could be so forth, it could be anything else. That's probably mostly the scenario that I normally see people go down the path of when they think of endpoint. And... Unfortunately or fortunately, even though it's an anti-pattern to have an agent on a virtual machine, because you would want to go away from an agent. So you're, as uh, to Johnny's point earlier, decentralized and don't have to rely on one. Side. unfortunately, the, the security services in that endpoint protection space haven't really evolved to that point. So yes, unfortunately, we'll need that one day, uh, or at least for now. Hopefully that answered your question internal, this internal light, let let us know. I don't even show if it's a he or a she, but I hope you got the answer. And uh, if you didn't feel free to drop in a follow-up question as well, thank you. All right, that was a good segue as well, because uh, we kind of spoke about the folders and how people talk about different folders, how to think about folders. And I can map that to AWS, to some parts, Azure as well. I think we have a few Azure experts here, so I'm (coughs) sure they can give their perspective. Now we've kind of have set up the organization. I've grown this massive podcast platform. I've got a project which is for my production now in terms of compute related security because it just made me think of so what are things people do from a compute perspective like i think uh, what are some of the options and or some of the security things we can do.
1: Yeah, again, it's a good question. So, so I think uh, there's actually probably a good, a good. What is it? I wouldn't class it, class it as a framework. I class it maybe like kind of a, a research piece. So G- Google did a did a piece called Beyond Prod, yeah. which I don't know. It, it's not the same as Beyond Corp. It's different. It's different. Yeah, I'm trying to think now on which one came first. I can't remember. I think
0: Beyond Corp came first because I think I heard them talk about that like a couple of years ago. Where Beyond Prod was like last. October in the yeah. Google Next 21 or something because they were trying to do the whole zero trust. The only reason I know this is and it's a spoiler because next week I've got next week mid week I've got the Google Cloud vice president of the Google Cloud Security coming in and he made the announcement of Go- Beyond Prod. That's not
1: like oh yeah I, I know Beyond Prod like I could yeah, act- they've got these kind of res- I think probably research pieces as the kind of thing that I could. I could probably analogy, probably kind of describe it as no. So I think so 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 beyond so yeah. As I understand, Beyond Prod is not in sense like a a product or service. If anybody on the call wants to wants to correct me on this, then then please do. But my understanding is is that beyond Prod is more was more of a research piece around kind of container security. Okay. And what they what Google tried to do is is they tried to kind of establish kind of security principles for it, which would mm-hmm. affect compute workload that we're actually running in google cloud so kind of things like kind of protection at the network edge yep. we've kind of discussed that before so uh what we're kind of discussing before about the the comment that was that was asked around endpoint protection so yep. beyond prod covers things like protection at the network edge so that would be things like uh, cloud armor which aws speak is aws WAF so again mm. it's providing that kind of layer seven kind of protection for any kind of bad actors kind of externally exposed systems kind of working sure if you're running gte for example make sure that your clusters are private don't don't configure them unnecessarily if it's not required to be. It just reduces that again, makes it more secure. What else can we do? What else can we pick up on on it? i think.
0: What about in terms of like your how people build images in I guess the AWS land where you have your AMI and you have your and all that? What's equivalent on the Google Clouds and and we kind of touched on the whole endpoint firewall thing, but outside of it, is there anything that people normally consider for that
1: so in terms of well in terms of obviously i'm aware of pre-hardened images within the amazon and the amazon space i'm not aware of anything similar in in gcp however it's in terms of where, where you're kind of go on your question, I think it's it's a, it's a good point you've raised in terms of things like the CIS benchmarking. So you can actually, if you're actually, whatever workloads you're actually running in, in Google Cloud Platform, making sure that they adhere to a CIS benchmarking is really important. For people who aren't aware on the call, CIS is, is basically just best practice framework for, yep. and it covers all aspects of technology, not just things that exist in the cloud on premise as well. And it goes across GCP and AWS as well. Security Command Center has natively built into it. The CIS benchmarking as well. So if they want to get a reflection on their assets that they're inside of Google Cloud, they can just go into Security Command Center and actually the, the CIS benchmark over be there if there's any drifting compliance. Oh, yeah. She has
0: a good point, man. Because I think I always look at when people start off in Google, not not just Google Cloud, but in Cloud Security in general, there's almost, almost like two layers. One is like the layer that we were talking about earlier where it's, it's your folder, your project, things like that nature where you have to protect. And Security Command Center maybe helps with that as well. But... There's another layer after that where, okay, I've set up the environment. I feel I'm comfortable that I've done enough for security. Now I start building applications in there. Now there's that, that's where the compute your point. Then we kind of go into this like spread of, oh, are you using serverless co- containers or virtual machines or whatever the thing that you want to use for making your project? And then there's a layer of identity. I, I, I definitely feel there is different footprints that are required from a security perspective as well. That you kind of have to grab across and see one one thing that kind of comes to mind in terms of privileged accounts. I know, like in Azure, there's a whole or oh, you sh- you should use a privileged account. We actually have a dedicated privileged account, which is quite a very Windows concept. In Amazon, you just kind of go the IAM role path. oh Yeah, as long as the IAM, yeah, Johnny's admin, yeah, he's admin everywhere, twenty four seven, right? So is there what's the thinking around identity and access management in like google cloud space
1: actually kind of goes back to where i was talking about trying to actually get your hierarchical structure i I keep saying hierarchical structure it isn't really so if you go back to when we were talking about projects for example one of the things that you'll find is in many organizations they will they will consume probably g suite as a service that gives people effectively a gmail account as i said before when we were talking about people want to do a bit of training, they want to maybe spin their own project up for a bit of learning, you know, to actually start to learn about Google Cloud. The same is true in an organization. If somebody has a user, an email address and a password for G Suite, they can create a project. And one of the, the traps you've got to try and not fall into is making sure that when people are actually spinning up projects, that actually you control how or where and when they become part of your organization as a company because what will happen is as soon as someone actually creates a project they themselves will become the owner of that project and then they themselves will have full autonomy over that project so when they're actually giving people whether they belong to your organization or they're outside your organization they have full control on who they bring in if that project is linked to the to the billing account of your organization which is why it's so important to figure out who your billing administrators are if that account sorry i'm calling it account if that gcp project is then obviously linked to the billing account of your organization it becomes part of your organization that free tier of limited resource that someone is able to spin up free of charge unless of course they attach it to their own personal credit card or, or whatever like that yeah it's not it's going to be sort of billed to your organization but of course then it's there's liability on your side as well as from a company's perspective so yeah that's why i, I go back to about the, the the idea of folder levels as well folders are really important because once you actually get folders in place it it, you, get that, you get that form of, again, it's not as centralised as AWS yeah. in terms of when someone goes through, when you've got your account provisioning process, mm-hmm. generally, it, from my observations, and I'm sure for many other people listening on this call and probably for you, when uh, a, a team is, is looking for a new AWS account, that control is going to be very centralised. It will mm-hmm. probably be your platform team that will actually be responsible for that. They'll be in charge of control tower if that's the way that you're actually doing it. Yeah. And then they will go through and then they will then provision that account for someone. And then all they'll do is they'll just spin the resources up they require. That team who is using AWS ecosystem to build applications inside, they are not the owners of that project. That's right. Yeah. Uh, keep, that, or I, I'm getting kind of mixed up the terminologies now. <laughs> the owners, they're not the owners of that AWS account.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yes.
1: Exactly. But then, but in Google Cloud, if you do not have a, if you do not have a a, a set and defined procedure yep. over project creation, projects that are attached to the billing account, yep. how projects are structured inside of folders, you're asking for trouble. So you need to get that resolved and sorted so that you actually have a, a, a proper framework of how things operate. And to go back to, just to go further onto IAM, so we're, we're talking about sort of the provisioning of IAM on projects that are not associated to any folders and when they're not associated to folders we don't have that centralized management that we're trying to achieve through. If you go to that next layer up with organization when it comes to identity and access management within organization everything that a person can do with an organizational level role transcends everything that is in both a folder and a project so it's extremely important that when you are assigning to an individual role that is not a folder level or a project level, but is at an organization level, that is extremely powerful. So you have to make sure that you have a very tight procedure on who has that. Right. And the and the and the kind of if you, if you will the kind of the super user yeah. of, of the Google Cloud space is the organization admin. Right. That itself is is very powerful and if you are an organization and you get audited. That is going to be the first thing that they are going to look for. They're going to look for who actually ha- has that that ability within your organization so i would definitely recommend to anybody when they're looking to address iam either when they're looking to build something from new or they're looking to address an existing an existing uh, consumption within their business of gcp is to look at that organization permissions make sure that who's got that permission and also make sure that you look for policy changes at an organization level as well the guy who had on a week i can't remember which one it was oh yeah yeah he, he he wrote an excellent script which was to actually monitor for organization policy changes yeah fantastic brilliant that's amazing that's exactly and, and when i actually found it i was really, really happy because i was like that's exactly what i've been needing to do i just to see someone who's done that it's just brilliant because again those policy changes are going to have such a huge impact across your I- entire gcp space so yeah. really good from a security standpoint that you understand what those policies are
0: yeah Yeah. So so to your point then, when someone is setting up a project and uh, it's almost like Google wants you to think in a a way, I'll just use a podcast platform that you're building as an example as well. So I just happen to be the product team and you are IT security, I guess. So product team has the ownership of everything. So my team, who would be using that project called podcast, I guess, everyone in that, I control the identity in, in that particular project, as well as my team, who's which is in that project, with that project access, gets access to every resource with, for lack of a better word, God-level access for that service in that project. But there is another layer on top, which is the organization layer that you're referring to, the organization policy. So you've got
1: the folder level in between that as well. So the folder also, level yeah. is where you would group, you would group projects. That are within the the remit of your
0: right right and okay sweet so you kind of have policies at that level and then there's another layer above that which is what you're referring to the org admin oh, being- yes 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 oh,
1: right transcends everything
0: oh okay transcends everything okay all pro- yes. folders projects what yes. do you name it yes perfect because yes. that's a good step into the next question as well then <laughs> Because Vinny just asked a question, because does GCP have a concept of lock, read-only, delete, which Azure has, it helps to protect resources from accidental delete or so I'm assuming resources in a project versus folder versus organization. Can you actually do that kind of a locking?
1: That's a very good question and I don't know. that's that's okay it's a great question and i'm actually going to put that down as something for me to go and research myself because i don't actually know it's actually a really nice idea
0: i was going to say if anyone else in the in the chat knows about it feel free to drop it in as well but i think this is kind of where these things become interesting right because you find out there's a certain way of thinking that other cloud providers that may have driven us down the path of but when you start, start, start talking about, say, a third or a fourth or a fifth cloud service provider, yeah, I wonder how that works in this context. But I mean, that's a great question, Vinny. So hopefully, we can get an answer for you from someone else in the car but otherwise I, I can probably drop in an answer later on we can after do some research but yeah hopefully you can answer that later man but thanks for that question yeah. all right uh, i know we're kind of towards the tail end as well so we just got one more question and then you can go into some fun questions the so we spoke about project we spoke about different layers but i kind of find people asking me a lot of questions around trying to train themselves in Google Cloud security, kind of from two aspects. One being there's a lot of conversations that a lot of services, a lot of security services within GCP are beta, I guess, for lack of a better word. They're not Definitely really live. So mm-hmm. people, when they go into the Google Cloud space and are trying to jump onto it, A, how do you kind of see, I guess, what do you see as the role of GCP with services primarily being beta? Or is it like, oh, the majority of services are good enough for you to build a a whole, I guess, podcast platform or whatever on it.
1: I can remember um, trying to build things with with security command center when the api was still in beta i was actually doing it and and i think that's another reason why people can struggle a lot trying to actually figure out what the right thing is to do how the best approach is in gcp when you're you're looking at these native security services which we rely on very heavily in aws and like we're looking at it and we're like wow this like the Boto three library is still very there's not much support in that i think google as a as a platform i think is very mature in, in terms of like the services it has, things like BigQuery, for example, that I, I briefly mentioned before, that they've, got, they've, they've proven themselves to be able to deliver and have that kind of unique selling point than other cloud providers don't have. But from the security perspective, I, I completely agree. It's very difficult when a lot of these native security services, like you said, you're, you're looking in, and many of them are in, are, in, are in beta or GA. What I would probably recommend to do is, in terms of reading up of resources, yeah. we've got like Medium as well, it's, it's a really good web, There's yeah. some really good stuff on there. Again, just look up google cloud it won't always be on security the, obviously it's just a general developer platform but there'll be a few things on security there which is really good linkedin is an excellent resource as well to to try and like follow people, particularly people who are connected in some way to Google to try yep. and see when they're releasing things. What else what was I thinking? Google have some really good GitHub pages as well. Um on some of their projects. I was just thinking one called uh Tsunami, which is a really good project. Again, we can link that in the description if anybody's interested. I, yeah. yeah, cool. That's that's a that's a network scanner that that's really good to use. Check out Fossetti as well, which is a really good project as well. So if you if you want to look that up, that was in, I believe that was a collaboration between Fossetti, between Spotify and Google themselves. So I I think that the, to answer your question, it, it is difficult when a lot of the native security services that Google are offering is not in full release yet. I think the open source community is helping a lot. It's certainly in no way as, as mature as AWS and Azure, in fact. But there is some good stuff out Some of the kind of open source projects that Google and GitHub uh, for SETI, again, is, is a really good project. Right. And then, again, just look on Medium, look on LinkedIn, follow some really good people on there, see how they are kind of engineering google to to fulfill some of these awesome
0: and what kind of certifications exist for people who may be curious about certifications as well for are there any security specific certifications in the cloud space i do
1: believe there is i've not myself actually studied for any certifications but i do believe that there is a specific one for security as, as as i believe again i think it's just a it's just a multi-choice it's just a multi-choice question exam that it's again just a personal view on on the certifications i, I think that that's one of the main reasons why I've kind of strayed away from specific security because they're just multi-choice. I am a big fan of what CNCF have done within, within the Kubernetes one. I'm actually currently studying for my, my CKA as administrator and yeah. to do my CKSS after that for, for two reasons. One, it's cloud agnostic. So mm. even though you've still got like your different flavors of Kubernetes in yep. AWS and, and GCP and Azure and Oracle and all that kind of stuff, there's still a kind of core component of it like Cube ctl is still Cube ctl regardless on on whichever flavor you're using of it so mm-hmm. it's kind of a tr- it's a transferable skill across all clouds uh, yeah. and i think secondly because it is a practical assessment there's like a demonstrable skill there as opposed to a multi-choice answer yeah. so i know i'm kind of not really answering specifically on google i think but because
0: kubernetes is still relevant for a google cloud space as well so you definitely yeah Cool. Thanks for sharing that as well. Where can people find you and connect with you, man?
1: I'm not much of a social media butterfly. I don't have Instagram or, or Facebook or anything like that. Uh, I have LinkedIn and I'm, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So please feel free to drop me uh, a, a connection invite on on LinkedIn and feel free to ask me any questions. I'm by no means an expert. I'm learning every day. So you never know. You, you Hopefully you can teach me something about cloud security
0: as well. There you go. Awesome. And I'll leave your LinkedIn link onto the show notes as well. People can check that out on our website. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like the end of it, man. But I think for everyone else uh, who's joining us for Google Cloud Month or Google Cloud Security Month, we have two more episodes this month and I think it's going to be next week. So I know kind of it's going to be a month, but because so many more people to bring on for Google Cloud Security, that I don't get, so I'm gonna do two more episodes of this. But uh thank you so much, Johnny, for coming in. I know it was no, very nice you, for you as pleasure. well, man. But I really appreciate this. Thanks so much for this.
1: Thanks again. Thank you everyone. No Bye-bye. problem,
0: man. All right, thanks everyone else. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel, so really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.